Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, what's going on, lovers, haters, and masturbators? This is Billy Persida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hello, hi, and how are you? How was your week? All right, good answer, solid. My week, uh, stressful, busy. Why is that? Finally... Finally got the website up for this show. That's right, everybody. www.manhorpod.com is now live. Uh, it's not completely filled with the content yet. We are. I'm still we again, guys. Eh, it's me. I'm still getting uh, everything going, everything put up. But you know, by the by week's end, every episode is going to be on the site. Some blog posts, some writing, some musings. Got some fun things in there for you guys to check out. Everything from a suggested reading to a gallery of fan whore boobs. Yes, manwhorepond.com is a place you can go to both uh, be educated, listen to your favorite man whore, and possibly whack off to some lovely ladies. And they are self-identified ladies uh, as, as so far. One. One is... Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll call her gender fluid. Um, no, no fan whore cock yet. Uh, I don't know if I'm happy or sad about that, <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, it's fun. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy. I got the site up. It's just been super stressful. Been lots of yelling about fonts. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, go, go check that out. Um, got some fun little easter eggs sprinkled around there and i I will continue to do so because i think easter eggs are fun you ever find easter eggs on a dvd of course not who the fuck's still watching dvds except for me uh i like dvds because i like director commentaries i think i've watched gangs of new york with the director commentary on more than i've watched it without the director's dvd commentary marty scorsese guys he's just uh he sounds like a awesome professor what am i talking about hi um Man, what a! I had quite the weekend on the internets. I, uh, as many of you, the loyal listeners would know, back in the summer, I I had a uh, piece published on exojane.com, which is like a like a women's website. Um, but you guys know, you guys know me. Weight Watchers, point counting, and movie crying, Billy Presida. Way more identifies with the Exojane crowd than the uh, the Man Cave crowd, or the Bro Bibles. So I, I wrote a I wrote a follow up <clears throat> piece. I I wrote that piece back in the summer about my disordered eating in high school. It was called "It Happened to Me." I was manorexic. I wrote a follow up piece uh, entitled "It Happened to Me." I got laid from my Exojane article. It started off as a joke. I texted the editor-in-chief, Jane, herself, just with that simple f- headline. She said, I love it. <laughs> so I wrote it. Uh, just talks about how someone read the the piece, then started talking to me, and then uh, we were going to record the... We'll just say this. If you check out the article, which I'll link to in the show notes, or you can go to ExoJane and, and find it there, or you can find it over on manhorpod.com. Hey. Uh, if you read the article, you will very quickly discover which special guest now technically qualifies to return to the show as a as a as a former flame. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go. Anyways, 
ExoJane community was not happy. Lots of angry comments. A lot of people call me a pig, um, misogynist, um, self-congratulating feminist, which I, I, seeing as I never called myself a feminist once in the entire article, I, I found that one most interesting. Uh, I also had a, um, <laughs> I was also told that I was disgusting. So it was like a great weekend, guys. Like that's pretty low ball. Uh, and you know what it is? <clears throat> it's just because ExoJane readers like to get angry. They don't know me. I understand the headline is infuriating, but that's how clickbait works. But it's fine because daily downloads quintupled for the podcast over the weekend. Hey! <laughs> Um, so if you want to check that out, I think you would all appreciate it. Since you all know me, you can appreciate the context in which it was written. Uh, it's not just me bragging about this one time I had sex. It's, uh, it talks a lot about more like traditional masculinity and having confidence and how, you know, being attractive as a man doesn't have to be that traditional, like macho bullshit. So anyway, there was that. Um, (laughs) Show dates, everybody. Still got the show dates. Always do. Um, Tomorrow, Thursday, March 5th, or today, March 5th, if you are listening to this on Thursday, um, in which case, hey, that guy got to come out tonight. Uh, And if you're listening to this like over the weekend, then I'm so sorry you just missed it. March 5th, I will be uh, at Bear, the sex storytelling show. That's Jefferson's show. You guys remember Jefferson from way back when? Jefferson... Uh, I'm doing his sex storytelling show at Sidewalk Cafe in New York City at 8 o'clock. <clears throat> Going to tell a fun sex story. Uh, March 6th, sorry everybody, Naked Comedy Show is sold out. So if you have tickets to that, tweet at me, email me, let me know that you're there. We'll have a drink, we'll hug, we'll hang out. And then uh, Saturday, March 7th, I'm at New York Comedy Club at the 5.30 show. Say my name at the door, uh, they should be waiving your admission for any of my... Special fan whores. Then next week, I'm so excited. Next week, I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan for Gilda's Laugh Fest. I will be uh, on March 11th. I will be at Pyramid Scheme at 9.30 and March 12th at McFadden's at 10 o'clock. So uh, all you Michigan whores, this is the time to come out and see me. No offense to your state. It's fucking cold over there. So I can't foresee uh, the next time that I will be in your area. So if you live vaguely close to Grand Rapids, you should come on out. Uh, And then back again in New York City uh, on March 27th, I will be at Zebra Cake, which is a fun comedy show at Beauty Bar on 14th Street between 2nd and 3rd Ave at 8.30. Uh, That's a free comedy show, guys. It's free, like this podcast. It is a free podcast, everybody. And, you know, I work really hard, as I've said before, to put this out every week. I like to think I uh, I put out a product of pretty good quality. You all seem to be enjoying it because, hey, you're listening to me right now, right? A lot of work goes into this as a one-man crew. I am my own producer. I'm my own writer. Uh, If we count a couple bullet points as writing, (laughs) I am my own intern. I am my own tech guy. And I work really hard, and I'm not always very comfortable asking for money. I, it's, ugh, I have such a poor relationship with money. <laughs> but, you know, if you go to the website, manwhorepod.com, there is a button on the side uh, if you want to donate to me and the show, because me and the show are, are basically the same entity. Uh, so if you want to show some love and, and throw some doll hairs or some, or some scents over my way, you can do that there. 
it would be very much appreciated. Uh, but seriously, like no pressure, no pressure at all. Like it's not even not even a thing. But it, it's there if you've been thinking that you wanted to support the show and didn't know how. That is one way in which you can do so. So that's there. I'm not going to harp on it. Moving past. Click if you want. Uh, I got an email from a uh, lovely fan whore. Uh, dare I say beautiful, gorgeous fan whore. Um, she sent a picture. It's pretty awesome. I'm a, I'm a fan. Katie wrote in uh, with a problem that I think a lot of you can both relate or help out with. She writes in, Hi, Billy. So I am a 29-year-old single mom of twins. I think a pretty good-looking one, too. I've been called a MILF once in a while. My kids are still very young, and I'm having tons of insecurities getting back out there. Before motherhood, I had zero problems just going for it whenever the mood struck me. You know, I I sowed my wild oats, as they say. Now that I'm trying to date again, the biggest hang-up I have is men seeing me naked. Although my body isn't drastically different from pre-motherhood, I can't help but be scared that men I want to fuck will still stare at my scar. My C-section scar, that is. I know I've heard time and time again that men don't care about the way vaginas or boobs look too much because men just don't care when we want to bang. But am I being crazy and too insecure about this scar thing? How do I get over it? I was never the type to keep lights off for shame of my body, and I have a great rack, but this has shaken my self-confidence in bed, even when I just want a casual night of sex. Any advice on this would be appreciated. I'm a loyal fan of the podcast and you, your fan, Katie. And uh, to anyone who thinks uh, Katie's being full of herself, she did send in a clothed uh, uh, picture and yeah, total MILF. What a babe. Uh, I gotta say, holy shit. I found myself distracted by uh, the legs over here. Um, focus, Billy. Focus. Listener in need. Okay. Well, because here's the thing, guys. Uh, one in 15 people get their appendix taken out. I had to look that up. Now, I'm pretty sure that a decent percentage of... Uh, I'm pretty sure a decent percentage of them are total babes and hunk men as well. Uh, but I'm pretty sure people still want to fuck them. Despite this horrendous and monstrous and disgustingly pedestrian scar on their midsection. So here's what I told Katie. I said, uh, hey, Katie, yes, you're being crazy thinking that worthwhile men won't fuck you because of your C-section scar. How do you get over this? I am... I may not be able to give you the most practical advice as a man who has never been pregnant and has not had a uh, loving partner with whom I went through a pregnancy. Uh, but here, here's where I, here's what I can, here's what I can say. Um, how do you get over this? I wish there was an easy answer. Uh, Post baby bodies are tough because things change, and as I'm as I'm told by my mommy friends. But you know, as you said, you look pretty much the same. As you did before you had the kids. So really, go you, right? Like some women take years to get their pre-baby body back. Some women never get it back. And, and I can tell you from my own... Now, so... My question to you is, have you had sex with new partners since giving birth? Because I think having a new boy toy 
explore your body with enthusiasm and gusto will give you a new burst of reassurance. Now, look, a man can't give you confidence. Okay, that has to come from yourself and from within. But when you see how little he cares, it'll demonstrate to you that you can be sexy whenever you're ready to be sexy. I think the brain will, will make a connection when it sees this hunk of a dude kissing all over your hot naked body. And that includes your midsection. It'll include him kissing your scar. And when you see him do that and not flinch as he makes his way down to your lovely lady parts. Yeah, like it, it might help jumpstart that, that confidence, that swagger again, you know? Because when you see someone else not care, then the next time you might be a little less anxious about it. Because now you've, you've already taken the anticipatory anxiety away because you've seen it not go the way you were worried about. Now, that doesn't have to do with confidence. Confidence has to come within, from within. You have to be able to look in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm still sexy. However, for practical purposes, I think fucking a new fun boy toy would help because you know I've listen I've gone through weight changes and body changes um, going up and down 20 30 pounds and you know I gotta say like when I've been on the bigger side of things and I haven't had sex in a while when I finally get naked with someone for the first time after gaining a bunch of weight I am worried I'm anxious I am self-conscious but then when I see her not give a shit and still have a great time with me it, kind of, it helps. It really does. Sometimes I'll tell them, yeah, I know I'm getting back on my diet. I'm getting back on the Weight Watchers. And I have had so many women tell me, really? Because I really love your body the way it is. Now, I'm still going to go through with the dieting and try to lose the weight, because, but that's for me. But it, it helps my sexual confidence. Hearing that um, they do dig it for what it is. And so, I mean, that's the closest I can relate as someone who doesn't push a baby out of him uh, is, you know, go up, get back out there. Just try it. Have some fun. Because here's the thing. The guys you want to be fucking aren't going to give a shit. And the guys who do give a shit do not deserve the fuck you because you are a fucking fox. So I hope that helps. Thanks for listening. Oh, and uh, by the way, anyone else doubting when she says she has a great rack? Subsequent emails uh, proved that her rack is uh, succulent and fantastical. So we can all rest easy knowing that this has been scientifically proven. Uh, but now, by the way, any moms out there, anyone who has given a birth, anyone who has a C-section scar, if anybody wants to, uh, if anyone has advice for Katie here, please do write in to, uh, email me because I'm, I'm happy to share it with her because again, there's only so much I can share on that particular topic, like practically speaking. And, and, and guys, I, I'm so flattered that any of you think my advice is worth uh, your while. And so thank you, Katie, for writing in. Thank you to everyone who writes in uh, with your comments or your questions, uh, the occasional booby pictures, you know, all that stuff. Uh, thank you. Uh, anyone else, if you want to say hi to me, you know, you can write into the show at manhorpod at gmail.com. And if you want to say hi more publicly, uh, I am on Twitter at the Billy Presida. So, you know, don't forget to say hi to me over there. Use the hashtag manhorpodcast, you know, let me know what you think about the show. 
If you think my advice was really shitty, tweet at me and say, Billy, your advice was really shitty. I'm down. Can't be worse than what those XO Jane trolls said. Man, oh man. Um, this week's guest, everybody, Cindy Gallup. Wow, what can I say about Cindy Gallup? What a badass British boss of a woman, man. This woman, uh, okay, so Cindy Gallup is the founder and creator of MakeLoveNotPorn.tv. What is that? Um, Cindy Gallup, as you'll hear in the episode, you're going to hear all of this, but uh, the, the Spark Notes version is uh, she gave a TED Talk uh, years ago about open and honest communication about sex. She was noticing that uh, because she likes, she has a proclivity towards younger men. And she was noticing that since we don't talk about sex in this country and we don't have comprehensive sex ed in this country, their guys are learning about sex from porn. And, you know, as we all know, as we've talked about many times on this show, porn sex and real sex are very different not that any either is bad or good. It's just they're different. And so she wanted to, to do something about that. So she started this website where basically real-world couples can shoot videos of their real-world sex. Not them performing amateur porn, but real-world sex. And then they submit the videos on there, and Cindy and her team at Make Love Not Porn will charge people to rent the videos, and she splits the profit with them. It's a pretty, pretty fair deal. Uh, I took a poke around. Looks like a lot of hot videos on there. So anyways, uh, I want to talk to Cindy Gallup about that, and, and we, we cover a lot of topics from dating younger men to porn to sexuality. Really good stuff. Cool fucking woman. You should all look her up. She's done a lot of cool writing. Um, and, and in the show notes, I'll have some links to stuff where you can check her out. So uh, I'm going to shut my face, and we're just going to get into the episode. So here we are with Cindy Gallup. Don't even know where there's there's so much to talk about with you. It's like not even I don't even know where to start. I feel like I have to start with just I I'm in a museum <laughs> with I I don't even know how to begin describing. It's everything from uh, very like artistic stuff to just very sexual things to there's some guns just there. Um, what are what are the guns? Well, first of all, I should say this is not a museum; it's my home. I know it's a and home. So, <laughs> uh, no, but I make the point because a museum sounds very static and like everything's on display you and can there just to be looked at. Aim like in, yeah. right? And there to be looked at. Do you need to start again? Oh no, no, you're good. It's oh, fine. Right, okay. Um, and. This is very much where I live, and everything lives and breathes around me because everything is a part of me. So um, we're looking at the result of a lifetime spent um, collecting, traveling, haunting flea markets, junk shops, antique stores. You know, things in here range from stuff my parents gave me when I was a kid Mm -hmm. all the way through stuff I've picked up along my life journey. And so this is my entire life around me. Every object has a story. And... Um, it's interesting because it really has been assembled piecemeal over the years, but people tell me it all works very well in one place yeah. altogether. So um, th- there are a couple of motifs. Um, people ask about guns. That, that, that is not a conscious motif. Um, the, the gun representations, for the most part, are by my friend Peter Gronquist, who's um, an artist who actually works in many media, um, but also has a nice line in ironic depictions of designer objects. Okay. So um, the guns you alluded to behind me are actually Nintendo Duck Hunt pistols. 
Ah. Studded with, swars, uh, with with crystals and and put behind glass. Um, Peter did the Chanel AK forty seven over the uh, mirror there. Um, he also created the Gucci chainsaw there. Um, and then and then sort of occasionally friends pick up on the gun motif and give me presents. And so the gun vases on the dining table were a present from my sister, um, and have some other representations around the place. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming the parents didn't give you the um the the Asian fucking statues over there. Well, t- uh, but, uh, my parents would approve of those actually because those came from the Shanghai antiques market. Okay. And uh, I didn't set out to to collect stuff like that. Um, I was staying in Shanghai a number of years ago mm. with, with a couple of friends. And my friend Tiffany, who's Chinese, um, knows that I love antique hunting, and so she took me to the antiques market. And there were a lot of like, you know, Mao statues and fake Ming vases. And we're cruising around and Tiffany said to me, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I'm not really looking for anything, but um, I'll know it when I, when I see it because what I'm interested in really is something really interesting. So we're cruising around and we came across a stall and there were some um, bone panels with erotic scenes etched into them. And I went, now that's what I call interesting. So, um, uh, Tiff- although I'm half Chinese, I don't, I don't speak Chinese. Mm-hmm. So, so Tiffany was doing the negotiating. So I bought the bone panels, like, like really cheap. This was a number of years ago. And then the stallholder brought out a little ceramic pot with an erotic scene in the bottom. And I went, right, I'll have that too. By this time, a little crowd had started to gather. Um, because again, you know, at that time, um, Western looking people were not that common. And so this young Chinese man... They're like, she's buying everything. Well, 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 she's buying a very particular type of thing. And so this young Chinese man in a suit and tie came up to me and he went, "Um, Miss, miss, you like that? You come with me. So I went, okay. So Tiffany and I followed this young gentleman (laughs) to his stall where he sat us down on stools. He served us cups of tea. And then he obviously sent the word out around Shanghai Antiques Market... Western woman looking for Chinese antique pornography. So for the rest of the afternoon, a constant stream of runners came into this store and they brought with them bundles wrapped in newspaper, paper, cloth, and they opened them and laid the contents out in front of us. And we just had one unending flow of antique Chinese erotica. And so they brought those um, jade figurines Mm. They brought this oh. antique Chinese stone dildo. Okay. Um, and I, I had never thought about collecting any of this stuff, but I went, wow. And Tiffany's a fantastic negotiator. So I got an awful lot of stuff, very cheap. And so I have, um, I have Chinese erotic scrolls. I have um, in my China cabinet, I have Chinese bowls with erotic scenes in the bottom. So uh-huh. I like to surprise guests when I serve their soup in those. And um, I have a whole bunch of stuff like that. <laughs> what is this, the birdcage? Right at the end of the soup, and then they have to... Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Same principle. It's uh, really interesting. I think the Museum of Sex actually still has the... um, They have a little section or area where they had um, old, old Chinese paintings that were served as basically sex ed for married couples, like to show them, like, Mm. various positions and such. Great idea. Lovely idea. Yeah. Well, I guess I should give you a proper introduction. I'm I'm here here with, um, like... Superstar woman, uh, basically blows shit up, as she says. Uh, Cindy Gallup, who is the founder of Make Love Not Porn, uh, also the website If We Ran the World, and just an overall um, badass woman, in in my opinion. I'm in her. This is this might be one of the few apartments you can actually just Google and say uh, you search Cindy Gallup Black Apartment, and you will get to see a, a taste of what I'm looking at. 
Um, hello, hello, Cindy. How how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Nice, nice and warm. Um, Make Love Not Porn, as I'll probably have explained in the intro, is is a website that is to basically help people see what real sex is like as opposed to porn sex, something I've talked about on the show quite a bit. Uh, I've, I've Everything from ranting about Gail Dines to uh, I've had on Sophie Delancey, who makes uh, more female-friendly, realistic pornography up in, up in the Canada, and uh, something I'm very passionate about, something I'm very much into. So when I, know, when I read about your site years ago, I was like, no, that's... That's great. We can start teaching people what real sex looks like and still enjoy the other porn, too. You know, um, you've said multiple times that make love, not porn came from um, dating younger men. Want to tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, uh, I talk about make love, not porn as a complete accident because I never consciously and intentionally set out to do anything that I find myself doing now. Mm. Um, I date younger men who tend to be men in their 20s. And through dating... What a coincidence. (laughs) Well, well, actually, um, dating younger men um, was also an accident. Oh. Um, So I never consciously set out to adopt this dating strategy. How it came about was I used to run an advertising agency. And about 13 years ago now, um, we were asked to pitch um, for an online dating brand that was coming out of the UK, wanted to take on Match at its own game. And in advertising, when you pitch for a client's account, you have to experience the client's product and the entire competitive landscape. So we all had to online date. And this was 13 years ago, and none of us at the agency ever had, because it wasn't a thing then. Yeah. So the rest of my team were all married, um, living with dating. So they went online as fake personas. Mm. They created identities. I was single at the time. I thought, I have to do this for business reasons. Why don't I do it for real? Let's find out what this whole online thing is all about. So I registered myself on various sites. I was completely open about everything, including my age. I got an avalanche of responses. Very good for the ego, by the way. But much <laughs> to my surprise, because I had not um, consciously thought about this as a dating strategy, about 75% of those responses were from younger men, and the majority were from much younger men. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly realized I was every young guy's fantasy. <laughs> I was a attractive older woman, high-flying career, never wanted to settle down, you know, never wanted to get married, never wanted to have kids. All I wanted to do was have some fun, which at the time, um, I had just started up an advertising agency in the world's toughest advertising marketplace. I was working 24-7. I was traveling all the time. Fun was severely missing from my life. So there are obviously a bunch of young guys out there going, whoopee. So yeah. I thought, gosh, you know, I had not thought about doing this, but hey, what the hell works for me? <laughs> so I proceeded to date younger men for a year, had a whale of a time. I then, a whale of a time. <laughs> I then rather ironically um, met online and fell madly in love with somebody who was only two years younger than me. I was with him for two and a half years in a committed relationship. Um, he wanted to marry me. I wasn't that bothered. Um, I sadly had to end that relationship for very good reasons. I was very upset about doing that. Mm. Um, didn't want another relationship, needed distraction. And so I reverted to dating younger men, and I've been doing so very happily ever since. <laughs> that's, that's how that came about. Well, God, God so, bless you for it. We all, we all need, you. Y'all out, need you out there. <laughs> and, 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 and actually, Billy, I, I am deliberately very public about the fact that I date younger men. 
not because I'm saying everyone else should do what I do, but because I believe that everybody should be free to design the relationship model that works for them. Of course. Which may, by the way, be different at different stages in your life mm -hmm. versus the very limited number of relationship models society tells us it's okay for us to operate. Yeah, a relationship can be like whatever two, three, four, yeah. 12 people want Absol that relationship uh, to be. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I meet younger men who really like older women, but, but are utterly screw up about it, don't let their friends and family know that they date older women because they're terrified of what people think of them. And I find that really sad. Yeah. So, you know, um, I mean, in, in general, I'm about encouraging people to follow their own path in life and not to care what other people think. So, um, so through dating younger men, um, about seven or eight years ago, so bear in mind, this is before the media ever picked up on any of this. Right. I began realizing that I was encountering an issue that, quite frankly, would never have crossed my mind mm -hmm. if I had not encountered it so intimately and personally. I realized I was encountering what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual nature of this convergence because most people think it's only one thing. I realized I was experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex mm -hmm. and results, therefore, in porn becoming, by default, the sex education today in not a good way. And so... I found myself encountering a number of, if you like, sexual behavioral memes. Mm -hmm. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming huh. from. And I thought, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. And I'm a very action-oriented person. I went, I want to do something about this. So six years ago, I put up on No Money, a very clunky little website at makelovenotporn.com that posts the myths of hardcore porn and balances them with reality. So the construct is porn world versus real world. I had the opportunity to launch Make Love Not Porn at TED, which I go to every mm -hmm. year. And I took a deliberate decision to be very explicit in my TED talk because I knew <laughs> yeah. that audience you were quite would not get this issue <laughs> unless I was very straightforward about it. Um, as a result, I am to this day the only TED speaker to have uttered the words come on my face on the TED stage. Like four or five times. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and the talk went viral as a result and it drove an extraordinary response to Make Love Not Porn. And the most extraordinary thing was not, not simply instantly huge amounts of traffic to the site from every country in the world. It went global without mm -hmm. my doing anything about it. But every single day for the past six years, and this is ongoing, by the way, mm -hmm. I've received thousands of emails to my Make Love Not Porn inbox, and they come from everybody. They come from young people and old people, um, male and female, straight and gay, from every single country in the world. And even before the actual site that I put up, what amazes people is simply the fact that I stood on the stage in public, I talked about, and I'm doing something about what everybody knows and no one ever speaks about. And as a result, people feel able to tell me anything. Mm. They pour their hearts out to me on email. They tell me things about their sex lives and their porn-watching habits they have never told anybody else before. They write to me for advice. 15-year-old boys write for advice. 50-year-old women write for advice. And it was the sheer cumulative impact of all of those emails arriving day after day after day that eventually made me feel that I now had a personal responsibility. I had to take this initiative forwards in a way that would make it much more far-reaching, helpful and effective. So what I decided to do, therefore, was I always have to emphasize to people that make love, not porn is not anti-porn because the issue isn't porn. Of course, yeah. The issue is the total absence in our society of an open, healthy, honest conversation around sex in the real world.
which if we had it would, among many other benefits, also mean people would then bring a real-world mindset when they view what is essentially artificial entertainment. Mm -hmm. So our tagline is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. Yeah. And our mission is purely and simply talk about it. Yeah. We, 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 we exist to help make it easy for people to talk about sex, openly and honestly, both in the public domain and privately in their intimate relationships. And so what I decided to do, therefore, was to take every dynamic that exists out there in social media currently and apply them to the one area that no other social network or platform is ever going to go, sex, yeah. in order to make real-world sex and the discussion around it socially acceptable and therefore just as socially shareable as anything else we currently share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So two years ago in public beta, my team and I launched MakeLoveNotPorn.tv, which is an entirely user-generated crowdsourced video sharing platform that celebrates real world sex. It's a dot-com site brought to life. Mm. I'm a huge believer in communication through demonstration. Anybody from anywhere in the world can submit videos of themselves having real world sex. And we're very clear what we mean by that. We're not porn, we're not amateur, we're creating a whole new category. We're not going up against porn. Our competition mm. is Facebook and YouTube, or it would be if Facebook and YouTube allowed sexual self-identification and self-expression. Yeah. So this is not about performing for the camera. It's simply about capturing what goes on in the real world in all its funny, messy, glorious, beautiful, silly, wonderful humanness. We curate, we watch every single video to make sure it's real. We don't publish unless it is. And we have a revenue sharing business model. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're part of the sharing economy, just like Uber and Airbnb. Yeah, I you, love you, that about um, it. Yeah. You pay to rent and stream real world sex videos. And then 50% of that income goes to you, our contributor, or as we like to call you, our make love, not porn star. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of, lot of things in... In that uh, in that in that speech you got there, it's uh, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, re really cool things. What you know, you say pro sex, pro porn, uh, pro knowing the difference, and it's something we talked about with Sophie Delancey uh, a while back. Was the answer isn't like less porn; it's just more porn and more diverse porn, and and that includes. I think, you know, I believe also Make Love Not Porn, which is going to show the real sex. So it's um, yeah, but but know. actually, um, to, um, that's not the answer, Billy. Oh. The answer is. Um, more open, honest, healthy conversation around sex in the real world. Yeah, but this country's like so far from that. So like, I'm I'm kind of like a pro, like a little small steps at a time. So it's like okay. Well, to, uh, well, to, um, well I'm, I'm happy for other people to take small steps at a time. Mm. We are out to take fucking big steps. Nice. I I mean, I would love comprehensive sex ed that also teaches sex for pleasure in public schools. But you know, like I said, I feel like we're just so far from that, and I would like that. Uh, but for now, if if porn is going to be the sex ed that we get. You know, I mean, it was basically my sex ed. I had zero sex ed for four years of high school. Uh, and I didn't even go to the Catholic school. And I had nothing. And so I had to learn from porn. And if that's where people are going to learn for right now, for this immediate future, then yeah, I think diverse porn, lots of different porn, more realistic porn. That's why I like, you know. So, no, um, no, no? Um, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm okay. going to disagree with that's you there, fine. Billy. That is not the answer. Um, Make Love Not Porn is tackling the problem at source, mm. which is the shame and embarrassment people have been taught by centuries of repression, religion, sociocultural dynamics, and society as a whole to feel around sex, mm. and therefore around the enjoyment of porn. Of course we all like porn. Who does not like to watch other people fucking? But... <laughs> 
we don't talk about it. Oh. Porn therefore exists in a parallel universe, in a shadowy other world, and that's a huge problem mm. for many, many reasons. Um, one of which is because porn, <coughs> because porn exists in this parallel universe, porn lacks a number of the tools that we use in other parts of our lives to improve them. Mm. Porn lacks curation and navigation. Or rather, porn lacks socially acceptable curation and navigation. Okay. There are sites that curate porn, but they're porn sites. Right. There is no Yelp of porn. Right. And there's no Yelp of porn because it's perfectly okay to come into the office on a Monday morning, stand by the water cooler and go, mm. I'm really bored of all the restaurants I'm eating at. Who knows the new restaurant? It is not okay to come in, stand by the water cooler and go, I'm really bored of all the porn I've been watching. Who knows some new porn? Right. x has like a share site and button is, on Facebook. No one uses it. And that, you is, know? A, and that is a huge problem, Billy, right. because the, the landscape of porn needs curation and navigation, mm. especially for young people. Because it doesn't matter, unfortunately, if all of my wonderful friends in the porn industry, of whom I have many, doing mm. wonderful things, especially female friends, it doesn't matter how much diverse porn they produce. It doesn't matter what great different creative approaches they take. When you're a horny six year old boy in Minnesota, you're going straight to U-Porn and you're staying there. Okay. And there is nothing to help you do anything different until we break down that invisible wall and we take porn out of that parallel universe and we make it easier to talk openly, healthily and honestly about both sex and porn. And that's Make Love Not Porn's mission. We, everything we're doing is purely and simply designed to help make it easier for people to talk about sex and by extrapolation porn. Right. If Facebook were to allow you to share things, Instagram, um, Twitter's on board. Thank, good for them. But so you want someone like to see the video and actually, like, you know, you know, like on a porn, there's like the Facebook share, Twitter share. Billions of people are watching that video. Um, no one actually there's like, but it's like one share. You want people to actually click that share and be like, yeah, I watched this video. It was great. I want you guys to watch it. It was a pretty hot video. Um, um, yeah, um, yes, but that's only one part of what we want. Oh, yeah. One we, of many things. I mean, um, but, no, um, no, yeah. no, 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 one thing only. Okay. We only want one thing. We want people to talk openly and honestly about sex. Mm. We want people to talk openly and honestly about sex in the public domain. And what, what I mean by that is generally in public, I mean parents to children, I mean teachers to classes in schools. Mm. And we want people to talk openly and honestly, privately to each other in their intimate relationships. And the reason that is so important is because Overly porn-influenced sexual behavior is driven by the best of all possible motives and not the worst. Mm. We all get very vulnerable when we get naked. Mm. Sexual egos are very fragile. People therefore find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. Because you are terrified that if you say anything at all about what is going on, if you comment on the action anyway at all, you will potentially hurt the other person's feelings, you'll put them off you, mm. you'll derail the encounter, you'll potentially derail the entire relationship, but at the same time, you really want to please your partner. You want to make them happy. Everybody wants to be good in bed. And so you will seize your cues on how to do that from anywhere you can. And if the only cues you've ever seen have been given are from porn, because your parents never talked about sex, your school never taught you about it, those are the ones you'll take to not very good effect. And so that's why our only mission is to make it easy for people to talk about sex. So parents write to us all the time sure. because, you know, we now live in a world where the average age at which a child is first exposed to hardcore porn online is eight. 
And a global study done last year indicates that age has dropped to six. And this is not because eight-year-olds and six-year-olds go looking for porn. They don't. It's a function of what, in the digital world we live in, is utterly inevitable. It's what somebody shows your child on a cell phone in the playground. What happens when they go around to the neighbor's house? Because it doesn't matter what parental controls you have in place at home. Your kids go other places. Mm. Or, because this is the most wired generation ever, and in many privileged households, eight-year-olds have access to iPads and laptops, (laughs) an eight-year-old does something really cute and innocent. They learn a new naughty word and they Google it. Penis! Hee! One or two clicks away something they're expected to find. Big black cock. Like. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, and in fact, because, again, of the way we treat porn, porn has to resort to trickery and deception to get people to go to porn sites. And so actually, it doesn't really matter what word you enter these days. Um, as Rule 34 of the internet goes, if it exists, there is porn of it. Yep. So a father wrote to me on Facebook last year. Um, that the heading of his message was, my wife and I cannot thank enough what you're doing. He said, we have a 10-year-old son, and we decided it was time to have the sex talk. So I sat down with him, and I said to him, you know, and I began talking about sex, and he said to me, Daddy, why do men wear masks when they're having sex? And this father wrote to me and said, we have parental controls on our iPad, and my 10-year-old son has somehow managed to find his way to a site where men wear masks when they're having sex. He said, we can't thank you enough when he's older, we're sending him to your site. A young woman wrote to us last year to thank us for what we're doing. Her, li- her email contained the line, when I was eight years old, watching my first porn gangbang. And all of this happening... It's a beautiful moment. And all of this happening is at a time when parents still find it enormously difficult to talk to their kids about sex. And back in my day, if you're one of the very few parents prepared to at least try to have that conversation, the conversation used to be purely logistical. So the conversation used to be, this goes into this, when a man loves a woman, the birds and the bees. The conversation you have today as a parent goes, darling, we know you're online. We know you're seeing porn. We just need to explain to you that actually not all men like being tied up, bound, gangbanged, raped, choked, and have men come all over them. And actually not all men like doing that either. 99.9% of parents are not having that conversation, and Mm -hmm. they need to. And they need external resources and tools to help them. So when I say parents write to us all the time, you know, a mother wrote to me and said, my teenage son had a bunch of friends around the other night. I made them all sit down. I played them your TED Talk. She said that there was lots of squirming embarrassment to begin with, but it gave rise to two hours of fantastic conversation. We want to help provide that external resource that makes it easier for everybody to talk about sex. Teachers write to us and tell us they use makelovenotporn.com in classrooms because they have no tools to help them have this conversation, which these days has to encompass porn as well as sex. Mm. And so everything we're doing has only one objective in mind to help make it easy to talk about sex. That's it. That's our only objective. Communication. I mean, I exactly totally agree with you. Totally agree. Yeah. I, 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 and, and by the way, Billy, you know, I said earlier, make love and an accident. <coughs> but what is no accident is that my background is thirty years working in advertising. Mm. I've spent thirty years working in the business of communication. I know that everything great in life and business is born out of great communication, and sex is no different. Yeah, and that's our mission. And you know, you were saying before, you know, people aren't talking. I think people who are aware that that's a problem are those starting to have those conversations in the bedroom, at least piece by piece. I mean, I saw this excellent video from BuzzFeed yesterday. It it was more about the whole not about non-monogamy, but like it still tackled that where it's a young couple, probably in their twenties. And, you know, he, she ends up giving him a talk about it pretty much tackles every question I've ever been asked when asked about non-monogamy, polyamory, anything of that nature. And he's just like, but what if you get jealous? And she explains, well, then this is what happens. And then you talk about it. And every answer pretty much is always, well, then we talk about it. And I think, you know, I've, my partners tend to now talk way more than I remember, you know, partners I had in college 
who were still kind of shy. And again, we didn't get proper sex ed talks. Communication really does just seem to be the answer. And and that's what your site is doing. Um, yeah, but, but it's communication um, both publicly and privately. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot tell you the number of young women who say to me, it's 3 a.m., you're both drunk, you're back at your place, he's pulling the porn moves, I just can't even start to have the conversation. What, what, what am I going to do? And, and that's why the conversation has to happen. Before they get Before drunk at 3 a.m. Before that, as yeah. well as during. Totally, totally. I, I totally get that. Um, you know, it, it even makes me uncomfortable when women sometimes have asked me to do things that I... Th- it makes me think, do they think I like no, that because no, of porn? No, because, no, 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 no Billy, yeah. absolutely. And, and this is why uh, people, um, some people make the mistake of thinking make love porn is only talking to men. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's entirely gender equal. I talk to as many young men who say to me, my girlfriends are doing everything they see in porn and it's getting in the way of a real connection. Yeah. You know, I talked to one 20-something guy who said to me, that he'd been getting a lot of very pornified blowjobs lately. He's not a fan of all the spit and the performance. And he mm-hmm. said to me, you know, I don't know whether she's really into me and turned on by me or whether it's just a performance. Mm-hmm. Or like, like if a girl wants to like choke herself on a dick, that's power to you. I just want to know that that's why and not just because you yeah. think that's no, what I want. No, exactly. And sometimes exactly. I have to kind of stop them and be yeah. like, no, like, let's yeah. take it, let's uh, slow uh, it down. Uh, exactly. And I'd like to take, take this opportunity, Billy, to just explode... Um, um, something that people kind of regularly say, which is, you know, one will quite often hear people go, oh, for God's sake, don't tell me people really think that porn is the way you have sex. They do. They do. And people use that time-worn analogy of, you know, that's like thinking that you learn, learn about driving from the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Here's the difference. From the moment we're born and the moment we're conscious, we learn about cars and driving. We are strapped into our baby seat in the back of our parents' car. Our parents drive everywhere. We are taught to look both ways when we cross the road, mm-hmm. to take our parents' hand. As we get older, we understand that driving is something you have to be trained to do. Um, there are lessons. When we are old enough, we take those lessons. We have an entire course that instills into us the rules of the you road, get a license. how you behave in traffic. <laughs> you have to get a license. And yeah. even when you have your license and you are driving, you have to obey rules. We talk about driving every single day. We don't talk about sex. That's the difference. Can we just get like some like fucking ed, some a license to fuck, something like that, you know? Um, no, <laughs> um, no, uh, no, because again, um, you know, there there is no one size fits all when it comes no, to no, sex. Yeah. You know, um, th- there is no formula for being good in bed. You know, as I said, you know, applying porn moves comes out of rampant insecurity. Everybody wants to be good in bed. And in the absence of any other conversation, people think that porn gives you the formula to be good in bed. No, it doesn't. Every sexual partner you will ever have is different. Everything anybody will ever enjoy is different. And mutual conversation exploration (coughs) is how you get to be great in bed. Sure. And, you know, I want to take this point. uh, I want to state that just because, the you know, like gonzo porn isn't maybe as realistic doesn't mean like it's bad to have. It, you know, like for example, no, like I don't like I don't no, like coming on a woman's face, but I like watching no, um, um, no, the cum uh, on the uh, face uh, exactly. video. Yeah, we all we all have fantasy. I mean, I mean, the thing about porn is that, you know, many of us enjoy in porn things we would not enjoy in real life. Mm. You know, um, I mean, I mean, for example, I had an email from a Make Love Not Porn member the other just the other day, um, who loves what we're doing. He said, um, he said I'm a gay man and I love watching straight amateur porn. Okay, now he's a gay man. You know, he's sure. not, he's not going to go out and have yeah. you know have sex as a, as a as a straight man, but he loves watching that. Equally, you know, one of the things that um, you know people don't realize is that you know a, a lot of female fantasies about dominance, submission, whatever. 
when you have a fantasy, in your fantasy, you can trust the other person completely. Mm-hmm. Because, and in your fantasy, you are completely safe. And in the real world, you are not. You know. and, and actually, you know, again, it's what I mean when I say, you know, great sex is a process of learning about each other, learning to trust each other, feel trust, you know, <laughs> communication, exploration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, it's absolutely fine to really enjoy watching stuff yeah. that you may never want to do in real life. That's do you have really something cool. uh, for, like yourself that you like to watch but you would never want to do in person? Um, uh, I'm just trying to think. I like how that's yeah. that's the first question where it's not yeah. like an automatic what, response. What, 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 uh, well, no, I'm, I'm having a think because uh, yeah. uh, um, my, my response would be no, but only okay. in the sense that um, I only choose to watch things that I particularly enjoy. And, and obviously, sure. by the way, like any entrepreneur, I created Make Love Not Porn because that is what I want to watch. Yeah. And so these <laughs> days, I predominantly watch my own platform because I like real-world sex, You know, which, which is why I hesitate because I'm not, um, you know, um, I don't have a particular category of what mm. people would consider unusual or extreme. That um, I, mean, I mean, I'll give you one example, by the sure. way. Um, it, it very much entertains me that because of my TED talk, people regularly say to me, so Cindy, you don't like men coming on your face. And, and my response to that is, it all depends who's doing the coming. Yeah. Because in real world sex, um, what you may not want to do with one person, you cannot get enough of with somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's the real world. 100% agree with that. 100% agree. Uh, yeah, I, I've talked before, like, you know, pegging is not something I would want to do with just anybody. Yeah. That's something no. I'm just kind of saving for love. I'm like, yeah. um, yeah. no, 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 and by the way, um, Charlie Glickman, um, the sex educator and blogger wrote a brilliant yeah. post called, um, how pegging can help change the world. And, um, and, and I regularly repost and, 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 and tweet this post and I highly recommend it because it makes a bloody brilliant point. The point that... Careful, careful point bloody so close to pegging. That's yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. And of course, pegging done safely does not involve bloody in any way whatsoever. <laughs> but but the, point, the point Charlie makes is that um, pegging is a very good thing for straight men because what it enables you to see is that the experience of being um, the receiver mm-hmm. in sex is completely different from the experience of being the pitcher, as it were. Very much. <laughs> um, and when men experience pegging, they they suddenly understand what a different mood you have to be in to receive sex, how mm-hmm. you might not always feel like it, how it's a whole different, you know, forgive the pun and, and, and extended metaphor, ball, ball game. You know? <laughs> um, and and that's, that's why I think it's fantastic and every straight man should get pegged. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely puts you in a more vulnerable position. It definitely makes you feel what that's like. And mm. again, it's not, it's not an all the time type of thing. Yeah. Any sort of like prostate yeah. play, I tell women, uh, they learn, they learn I like it once and they want to do it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 that's like, I got to be uh, in the mood. You know, and, <laughs> and, and by the way, um, our real world sex pegging videos on Make Love Not Porn oh, are my. extremely popular. And off the back of that, I've had a number of conversations with with straight men who love pegging, who, who, by the way, you know, obviously, you you know, um, people tell me and my team things they would never tell anybody else, you know, generally. Um, But pegging is massively enjoyed by straight men who don't feel able, able to be open about that because of our ridiculous, you know, societal construct of straight masculinity that says a straight man cannot possibly admit that he likes up the arse. Yeah, no, uh, I'm very public about it. I'm just like, it, stop it. It doesn't. It's not a button. It doesn't turn you gay. It's yeah. okay. It's fine. Yeah. It just fe- mm. it just feels really good yeah. sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Glad we're on the same page on, on that topic. Um, so make love not porn. You know, you got real people out there putting out real sex videos. You're a real person. Do you like? Do you have a video on make love not porn? So um, we get asked this question all the time. Really? Okay. So so you're not in the slightest (laughs) bit original arson, I'm afraid. Um, So obviously before we launched, as a team, we totally discussed this. And we discussed the fact that as entrepreneurs, we should be using our own platform. Okay. Now, there are differing views within the team. Some people (laughs) are more keen than others. But what we all agreed as a team was we already have a very controversial venture. My team and I fight a huge battle every single day Mm -hmm. to build this business, essentially because every piece of business infrastructure, any other startup can at least take for granted, we can't because the small print always says no adult content. Yeah, so bank accounts, um, all that stuff. So um, so every one of us is engaging um, with different business interfaces every day to try and make our business happen. It would not benefit us in a business context to be on our own platform right now. Um, And so that was an entirely business decision. You know, in the future, who knows? Um, But for the time being, um, you know, uh, um, that that was a conscious business decision collectively by the team not to do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Can I ask which side were you on uh, before you guys made the final Mm. decision? Um, I'm um, somewhere in the middle, actually. (coughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, In fact, um, you know, to, um, um, as and when um, we are in a better place, kind of financially and business-wise, um, I'm completely open to basically incentivizing our community. You get us to this size, this income level, this many rentals, and you'll get to see and me. I will, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I will post my first real-world sex video. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd put up a video for that. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like a good, yeah, that's a good incentive. <laughs> no, and I must admit, um, I get reg- regular. Uh, this question is also asked regularly by by fans within our community. Uh, you know, when do we get to see you? Oh, we see you. We love. <laughs> You. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, back to the younger men thing. So that was an accident. As someone who used to be on CougarLife.com himself, uh, what, what, do, what do you find as the appeal now to keep coming back? Sure. I know older women who like, they had sex with a guy in his 20s and they were like, never again. Really? Oh my God, no, no, no. That, that, that's exactly Do you like to teach or do you want them no, like pre-trained? Um, no, um, no. Um, so um, I gave a talk at TED in TED University several years ago called... the TED talk- University? Um, yeah, but TED University is, um, it runs alongside the TED conference. Um, and it's where attendees at TED get to give talks on any topics that may okay. entertain, educate, and delight the TED audience. Okay. And I've given several of those um, over the past um, uh, how many years. So, so I gave a talk um, called The Toy Boy Manifesto, Why Older Woman Plus Younger Man is Relationship Model of the Future. So, um, and by the way, um, uh, I had to give it twice, stacked <laughs> out both times, you know, huge audience, <laughs> both male and female, all ages. Yeah. So I began my talk by saying, let me get one thing right out the way, right up front. Yes, the sex is fantastic. When you combine someone at his sexual peak, lots of stamina, very short recovery periods, with someone at her sexual peak, lots of confidence, experience, knows what she wants. Yeah. That's a great combination. But that is only one dimension out of many that are why I find this relationship model rewarding. Mm. So, um, you know, when I date younger men, I am not in a competitive scenario. Um, men my own age or older quite often have a problem with a strong, powerful, confident woman who earns more than they do. When I date younger men, they can't be competitive because we're in completely different life stages. And in fact, the younger men I date really value my career experience in helping advise them about their startups, ventures, careers, whatever. Um, I live a life um, that requires me to be on the cutting edge of popular culture. You know, I... um, I'm very au fait with everything that's going on. You know, I will party all night. I will whatever. 
Um, men my own age or older tend to be rather more set in their ways. Mm. Um, they're not as keen to do the things that I like to do. And I'm a very optimistic, spirited, um, enthusiastic person. And I just find that mindset and attitude-wise, there's, there's a better synergy with younger men. Combined with the fact that I don't want a relationship. Mm. I don't want to get married. I've never wanted children. I, I'm not looking for a relationship. Mm. And so this is a model that suits me down to the ground. <laughs> now, I... Um, I have a very particular approach to operating my model that okay. is different from the knee-jerk response to the word cougar that everyone tends to adopt. Um, I freely admit that I date younger men casually and recreationally. I date a lot of them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But I have one fundamental criteria. It doesn't matter... Hold on, let me take my pen out. <laughs> it doesn't matter how casual relationship, they have to be a very nice person. I have amazing radar for very nice people. As a result, I only date utterly lovely younger men. I'm very selective about whom I date. I respond to maybe 1% of all the approaches I get because, as you will know, if you're a woman on a cougar dating site, you are inundated. (laughs) And I therefore date lovely younger men in an atmosphere of mutual trust, respect, affection and liking. And a demonstration of that is that my so-called casual relationships go on a lot longer than most people's committed ones. So I date younger men over periods of one, two, three, four, five, ten, twelve years. Um, You know, they may go on to date girls their own age. They move to other parts of the country. We stay friends. We will meet platonically for drinks, lunch, dinner. And then occasionally their relationships end and they come back. They're like, okay, we can do it again. Yeah. And and, and, And 12 years later, they're less of younger men. They're just... (laughs) No, but that's irrelevant. I know very immature 45-year-olds and very mature 25-year-olds. Age is not a measure of anything. I've been on that train since I was like 19, um, 20. Yeah. And I also meet um, younger men who are fan-fucking-tastic in bed so no you know they're not they're not all they're not all clumsy they're not all porn trained they're mm-hmm. not all you know I, I, I really disagree with, with with the knee-jerk stereotypes that society resorts to in this context yeah everybody you will ever meet in any context is different they're all individuals i meet them on their own level i'm enormously interested in them and i'm having a whale of a time yeah again whale of a time i love your turns of phrase they're they're very they're all, they're all british they're very, yeah they're all very very british uh <laughs> No, I've, I've always been a big fan of that. I mean, I, I had guys in, in college, my like roommates would be like, now granted, older women when you're 19 means like she can rent a car legally. So it's a whole different thing. But Darling, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing no. two 19-year-olds at the moment. So oh, Good on you. Um, NYU kids? No. Um, no. But, you know, they would be like, oh my God, Billy, she was like 28. What are you doing? I'd be like, I don't know. What does it matter? I've always been a big fan of the the age. It was just a number and Ooh. the whole every, take everything case by case. I remember whenever I've like, like if I talk to a woman, I, I've ta- I've spoken to a woman at a bar who like approached me, became less interested when she learned my age. I was like, hey, well, you were interested so far, mm, right? Yeah. So yeah. if I just lied yeah. and said I was yeah. thirty five, no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and, like, and that is, you know, uh, uh, Billy, that is why I talk about the fact that. Our single biggest obstacle in Make Love Not Porn, especially when it comes to funding, is the social dynamic that I characterize as fear of what other people will think. Mm -hmm. It is never about what the person I'm talking to thinks. When you understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, nobody can argue with it. It's always their perceived fear of what they think other people will think. Mm -hmm. 
And the fear of what other people will think is the most paralyzing dynamic you can have in business and in life. So when that woman responded to your age, she wasn't saying what she really felt. She was afraid of what other people would think. Mm -hmm. And that will prevent you doing anything worthwhile and anything that you might really, really enjoy, you know, in life and in work. You know, I say you will never own the future if you care what other people think. And I live my life and, you know, all of the work I do beyond Make Love Not Porn as well is aimed at breaking down that barrier and getting people to live their life in a way that is true to them so that they don't give a damn what other people think. I, amen, sister. That's I fully agree. Uh, man, man whore podcast. I stopped caring what was on the internet about me a long time ago. Um, my father may care a little bit more. We share the same name. So they Google him, they find this, and they're like, what? And then it's a very awkward conversation. They're like, uh, hey, Billy, I heard your son did a porno. I'll be like, hey, sorry, dad. <laughs> Um, And by the way, (laughs) when your dad's friends say that, they are secretly massively admiring and envious. They're all envious. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I got a phone call from my dad. I was like, Billy, did you do a porn? Because I I did, um, I recorded with Sarah J, who's a a porn star, and I did a a scene with her, and then we recorded afterwards, like as part for the Mm. show. And and then like weeks later, I guess someone Googled my dad, one of his buddies, Mm. found that episode, listened to it, and then they told him, they all, I know they can say whatever they want. They all wanted to do Oh, yeah, me. no, absolutely. Because none of them exactly. got exactly. a blowjob from a porn star. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, and people, people, this goes back to the whole real sex, porn sex. A lot of people were asking me, um, Billy, like, how was it? Um, Chris Rock's little half-brother, little half Jordan, every time I walk into the comic strip, he will grab the closest person near him. But he'll grab and be like, yo, you see that guy? Yo, he did a porno with Sarah J. Like, freaks out every time. They're like, well, how was it? How was it? Was it, like, a, the best blowjob of your life? And I always respond, like, the blowjob was, it was okay. It was a blowjob. Um, I actually went with Siri over Sarah J um, because Siri kind of looked like she would give a blowjob I might actually get. Mm. And Sarah J is doing, like, a like a mm. porn star blowjob. But still, I'm like, listen, the context was super hot. It's cool. It's, mm. like, it's interesting. But I have, it's not, like, the best blowjob I ever got in the world. I, mm. I hooked up with a girl a week after the the shoot and that was a way i told her right after i was like i just did a i just got a blowjob from a porn star and you knocked that one way out of the park mm. you know it's uh it's it's nice to look at but doesn't mm. make it the best practical yep. sex no, to, um, um, no absolutely and in fact i was i was very pleased to we crop up in um comment threads on reddit all the time oh, good um, old reddit and um, and and there was a really wonderful thread a few days ago, um, which which we were mentioning because because it's great when when people kind of recommend us in this in this context. So, um, the thread was started by a question along, along the lines of, um, it, it was a girl who said something like, "I really I really don't particularly want to watch porn. I really enjoy filming myself and my boyfriend, and then watching you know our videos. Yeah. Does anybody else do that?" And so a lot of people jumped in and and. Um, what I loved about this thread, and, and in fact, I tweeted and, and Facebooked it and said, you know, that there are some wonderful things being said here, was that it contained people saying things like, you know, one guy said, um, when I watch porn, you know, I only really get off to it if I think about my girlfriend while I'm watching it. And That's I mean, they're, they're just really, really lovely comments that show. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we say um, and make love at porn is real world sex is more creative, more innovative, more amazing, more fascinating, more surprising and more arousing than porn will ever be. Mm-hmm. Fact of life. I can't say much because you say all the things I'm already thinking. This, it's, I, I fully agree. Um, one thing I want to bring up because you're British um, and, and you also might know a little bit more on this than I do, but you know, 
Do you want to talk a little bit about the UK porn ban? That, that, that's been a recent uh, outrage. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I actually wrote an open letter to David Cameron in mm-hmm. Silicon Valley um, back in 2013, basically making the point that the answer to everything that worries people about porn is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. It's to open up. Open up the dialogue around all of this in the way that we're doing now and that we're trying to help with Make Love Not Porn. Open up to welcoming, supporting and funding entrepreneurs who want to disrupt this world for the better and open up to allowing us to do business on the same terms as as anybody else. Because um, there is this, for me, infuriating circularity that people don't understand when they throw up their hands and go, oh my God, porn, which is, I go... David Cameron and... For, for context, for, for my listeners, David Cameron is... Um, so, um, sorry, he's the British, British Prime Minister. <laughs> we, um, we barely know who our Vice President right, is. So right, it's like... Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's a, uh, as I just contextualize, David Cameron's the British Prime Minister who has been spearheading a general, I mean, absolutely right, a wave of concern in the UK about the ease of accessibility um, to porn for children mm. online, which, uh, which is something that you cannot block in any way at all. It cannot be prevented. Right. But um, what the UK are resorting to is um, leaning on internet service providers to um, create an opt-in function for porn. And so uh, whoever your um, ISP is, um, you you have to basically state that for my household, I want access to porn. And also, um, there is legislation that has been passed in, in, in the UK that essentially bans a number of acts in porn, which are things that people love doing in real life. And which, yeah, face-sitting. Which, I, I love it. Yeah, why, and, why get rid um, of that? And which also, <laughs> not coincidentally, focus more on things that are inherently pleasurable to women more, more than they are to men, um, or as much to men. Um, and, and so, uh, um, the point I make is that David Cameron... The banks that kick out porn stars' bank accounts, like mm-hmm. Chase did, these are the people who are directly responsible for the bad things that happen in the porn industry and everything that worries people. Because when you force anything into the shadows and underground, you make it a lot easier for very bad things to happen, and you make it a lot more difficult for very good things to happen. And so that's why, as I say, the answer is not to shut down, but to open up. And in my, in my open letter to David Cameron, I said you know, open up to helping the porn industry, opening up to, to putting funding and business expertise and advice into it. And I said, turn the British porn industry into something to be proud of. That's the answer going forwards, not trying to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. Yeah. I, I thought, I, when I read about that stuff, I was just like, why Why are we taking stuff out? It's it, it's weird. It's banned porn or or don't, but don't just make it, It's it just seemed... So trite. It's, it was just like, oh, these specific acts are the terrible acts. It was like, I don't know about that, man. But it, it all goes back to the we're, we're blocking communication. And, and it all would start well, if we just communicated early on. Well, well it also yeah. um, uh, has a lot to do with a syndrome that is very common um, across every sector. The day we have a porn industry... That is 50-50 equally informed, influenced, designed, managed, led, and driven from the top by women just as much as men. Mm-hmm. That therefore actively targets 50% of its output, its product, at women, 50-50 equally just as much as men, yeah. as opposed to currently misguidedly thinking men are the only audience. 
And that therefore, very importantly, makes 50% of its money out of women just as much as men is the day we have a porn industry that looks completely different. Mm-hmm. More innovative, more creative, more disruptive, a healthier, better industry overall. And by the way, the same is true of every other industry going. Yeah. Um, how do you feel, <clears throat> you know, with, with government, I think government should get involved in, in the porn industry uh, in a little bit just so that, because I feel like that l- helps actually legitimize it if there's some sort of regulation, just like with sex work, I'm very pro sex work getting legalized in this country and then slightly regulated and a little bit taxed. Um, but, so I, I do think government should get a little bit in there. How do you feel about um, the condom law that keeps going in and out in California? Okay, um, d- uh, d- uh, you've asked me two questions. Sorry, there. oh. Um, no, 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 it's okay. I'll, 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 um, I'll answer the second one first. Yeah, that, that uh, was the actual the question. One. I guess the first okay. one was. Um, my response to the California condom law is that many things are laid at the door of the porn industry that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It is not porn's responsibility to get people to use condoms in the real world okay. in societies. Okay, And that's why we have an initiative at Make Love Not Porn that is all about doing that. Mm-hmm. Because real world sex is responsible. In porn, either... Most real-world sex. I, I have uh, buddies who are pretty irresponsible. Um, I mean, no, real-world <laughs> real sex should be responsible. Yeah, yeah. So in porn, either there are no condoms, or all of a sudden the condoms on. Jump cut the fucking... Where'd that come from? So we actively invite to Make Love Not Porn real-world sex videos that compete to eroticize condom usage. Mm-hmm. What's the hottest, most arousing way? You can introduce a condom into the action, put it on, take it off, dispose of it. I have sex with condoms all the time, so I want to watch my kind of sex happening. But I particularly want creative ideas for those awkward condom moments that we all go through. Because if more of us had more creative ideas on how to make those awkward condom moments hot and arousing, there'd be a lot more safe sex happening, a lot less sexually transmitted diseases, and a lot less unwanted pregnancies. So we see a huge gap in the market between porn with no condoms at one end, sex ed in the classroom, roll the condom over the banana, it's all about preventing death, disease, destruction at the other. We want to introduce a new socio-cultural meme, condom hot. Make condom hot, love not porn. Not only do condoms not get in the way of great sex, they can be an integral part of great sex. Absolutely. And so we believe that we and society should be addressing that issue and not the porn industry. So that's the answer to the second part of the question. To to the first part, uh, I do a lot of work trying to open up the tech and business world's minds to the adult industry. Because um, I... uh, I live my own philosophies. One of the things I say to entrepreneurs all the time is when you have a truly world-changing startup, you have to change the world to fit it, not the other way around. So I draw analogies all the time to try and bring more investors and entrepreneurs to to, to our world. Um, I make the point that the three biggest disruption opportunities in the tech and business world today are sex, cannabis, and Bitcoin. And investors and entrepreneurs are flocking to the other two more than they are to the first. And what the, and bitcoins and aren't what, even real. <laughs> and, what, and what the massive influx of funding mm. into cannabis and bitcoin means is that the startups and the VCs and the ventures there are able to fund lobbyists, foundations, initiatives to change regulation and legislation. I want to see that happen in sex tech. Because we need a whole new definition of what constitutes adult content and the regulation and legislation surrounding it. So, you know, at the same time as kind of championing my own startup, I'm championing the whole of the sex tech world because I want to change all of this for all of us for the better. It's a, it's a, it's a noble mission, noble cause. And I, 
I hope we can uh, we can get there. And and you blowing shit up certainly helps speed it along the way. Um, Thank you. And, and, and Billy, can I just say, by the oh, way, um, in this context, um, uh, for your listeners, because I'm assuming that this will air before Friday the 27th of February. Is that, is that fair or not? It's going to two Wednesdays from now. So I think it's the I think it's the last February, the last Wednesday of February. Um, t- um, so, so tomorrow and then the next one. Um, right. So, so if, uh, Wednesday like, of next week. Um, oh no, 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 the the week it's the week oh, after right. that. Yeah. Oh right. Oh, t- um, uh, well, sadly, uh-huh. um, t- uh, the, um, I won't be able to promote this. But uh, never mind. What I was going to say was that um, next Friday, February twenty seventh, uh-huh. I'm giving a talk at the New York City Porn Film Festival on how to make money out of porn, redesigning the industry business model. Okay. Um, in fact, that's part of a whole session we're doing where I'm going to give that talk and then Madam Curator Sarah Beale and our assistant curator Ariel Martinez are going to present um, half an hour of content from makelovenotporn.tv to showcase our real-world sex videos. Um, it's at 7 o'clock um, next Friday, February 27th at the New York City Porn Film Festival, which is happening at Secret Project Robot in Brooklyn. Is that a and- secret... Pro- is that a bar? Brooklyn place names are weird to me. It's a creative lab. It's a creative and, lab. Um, okay. And the reason I bring that up is because... Um, Everything I say in that talk is relevant to any industry mm. that wants to redesign its business model and, and make more money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I want to help every industry redesign itself for the future and reinvent itself in a way that will completely change up its ability to embrace creativity, disruption and making a shit ton more money. And I, wa- and I want to help the porn industry do that as much as anybody else. All right. Well, if anybody, uh, I'll, I'll plug that in the intro for like next week's episode. Okay, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Thank and I'll be you. like, hey, next week's guest, which is weird for the time-space continuum for people listening now. They're like, that was then, but I heard it then and now it's now. Ah! Um, but anybody who wants to make a, uh, who wants to go sign up at makelovenotporn.tv, uh, um, you can go make an account. Um, yep, absolutely. It's, it, it's free to join. Yep. And... I would love people to share their real-world sex with us on Make Love Not Porn. And, and I should explain... I what, would love them to, too, yeah, yeah. so I can... And, and, and so I should explain um, something in, in this context, Billy, which is that, you know, um, a few of our Make Love Not Porn stars have videoed themselves for each other before. The vast majority had never even filmed themselves having sex before. Mm. They're doing it for us because they believe in our mission. And by the way, it's worth letting your audience know that, separate to that... Um, we are also the only place on the internet where porn stars share the sex they have off camera in the real world. <laughs> because porn stars have real world sex too. Correct. That is completely different from the sex they perform. And we have a lot of friends in the industry who are yeah. kindly helping us. So our straight porn star friends, gay porn star friends and lesbian porn star friends are sharing the sex they have in their real world relationships. Ooh. And they talk in those videos about how different that is from what, what they do on camera. Um, separate to, to, to that part of our Make Love Not Porn Star community though, um, everybody else... Um, they're not exhibitionists, swingers, mm-hmm. as people jump to conclusions about. You know, there are people like Brad and Dorothy, who are a young 20-something married couple, um, live in California, got a one-year-old kid. They both come from deeply religious, fundamentalist Christian backgrounds. They came across Make Love Not Porn in a magazine somewhere, and they said to each other, we have to do this to overcome the shame around sex imposed on us by our religious upbringings. They video themselves having sex for the first time ever, and then shared it on our platform. So, um, so was that when they conceived the kid? No, 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 no. Because no, that'd be funny uh, if they uh, had no, their video uh, ever. Uh, no, sorry. I, uh, of it. Um, I, I, I don't mean literally the first time they had sex. I mean, um, they had never videoed themselves having sex before. It was the first time they videoed themselves But the reason I make that point is because um, I know from my 30 years working in brand building, marketing, advertising, that the single most important thing that any brand can have is trust. 
And that is particularly important for us because, you know, our platform is there to encourage people who have never done this before to share their real world mm -hmm. sex with us. So we operate unlike any other platform of this kind in the adult world, or even, to be perfectly honest, like many other ventures in, in, on the internet, full stop. So, so first of all, you cannot complete our submissions process unless your real-world sex video is fully consensual, over 18, you know, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All the good stuff. Um, yep. Um, you know, to, we, we require two forms of visual ID for every participant, including, by the way, if you've chosen to have someone behind the camera, you know, we still have to have all of their identifying details. And You can't so, have your 16-year-old so, film, you guys, no, okay? Uh, no, Just, uh, no, 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 exactly. And, and so, um, you know, to, um, it is not possible to have anything published on Make Love Not Porn that is not fully legal and consensual. We view every single video submitted from beginning to end, human curation. Mm -hmm. We do that to make sure it is authentic, real-world sex. You know, mm -hmm. Nobody else does that, by mm -hmm. the way. Um, and then from the moment you submit a video, we begin a personal relationship with you. So Madam Curator Sarah Beale, Assistant Curator Ariel Martinez will Skype with you. We will answer your questions, reassure you. We're totally there for you in every step of the way. Um, your video is only viewable um, on our platform by our community, by the people who've paid, paid to rent it. You can totally be anonymous, by the way. If you're concerned about you know, your employer, your job, mm -hmm. your school, you can wear masks, faces in shadow, out of frame. Sure. Probably about half our Make Love Not Porn stars choose to do that. You know, the other half are happy to show their faces. Mm -hmm. And the reason we operate a rent and stream model as opposed to download and own is because our commitment to you is that the moment anything changes, your relationship, your life, you know, your circumstances, your mind. You all down. you have to do is tell us, we take it down, it's gone forever. Mm -hmm. Nobody else does that, by the way, right. either. Um, also, we, we encourage you to come and meet us and the other Make Love Not Porn stars in the real world. So I've held Part, two drinks parties. Here? Yeah, 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 at this Oof. apartment. Where, where we invite our Make Love Not Porn stars. That's incentive enough, yeah. really, to yeah, make a yeah, video yeah. is you get to yeah. come up to yeah. this fabulous uh, no, apartment. Uh, absolutely. And, <laughs> and in fact, um, because we have an international community, next time I'm over, over in London for long enough, I want to hold an event there as well. You know, and... We are, we're setting out to raise a round of funding right now um, to enable us to scale and grow. And one of the things we want to do is to be able to hold more real-world events you know, of this nature. But we are enormously respectful of our very, very special community. We feel so privileged and honoured that our Make Love Not Porn stars share their real-world sex with us. We are very protective of that. We want them to trust us completely. And we do many, many things to earn that trust mm -hmm. that, that, that very few other people do. Yeah. Well, Cindy, uh, this is an amazing uh, chat. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and talking to my listeners. Um, everybody, again, please go to makelovenotporn.tv. Make an account. Rent things. Absolutely. Make videos. Yes, please. Um, Make videos and um, let me know you go. I'll go and, rent it. Um, and by the way, can I put out one very specific call, which is... Um, you can put for out some... two calls if you right. want to. Fantastic. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so, so for some bizarre reason, we are low on gay male real world sex videos. Gay men, you are not representing in the way that you should be. Okay, we, we want to say... And by the way, real world sex is all inclusive. We're yes, everything. Yes. LGBT, trans, I mean... We, all we the have letters. Trans video. Um, yeah, no, no, exactly. <laughs> but, but for some reason... And by the way, we have many gay male fans, but, you know, lots of promises, very little follow through. You hear that, so, my gays? Yeah, get yeah, out there. Yeah, start getting the cameras out. Abs absolutely. absolutely <laughs> we, we want to see lots of you. And, and also, by the way, we want to see a lot of diversity generally. Yeah. Um, again, we're tired.
tiny we're bootstrapping. You know, we have no money. We're not able to market specifically. Our growth is entirely organic. Yeah. We're a function of who happens to come across us, finds out about us. But, you know, I just want to say to all your listeners, Billy, you know, please, um, we, we welcome real world sex from anybody and everybody. And if you're at all, you know, nervous or shy about the idea, Cindy at makelovenotporn.com, Sarah at makelovenotporn.com, you know, just contact us. We'd love to talk to you. Um, we would just love to have as many people as possible demonstrating what an utterly wonderful, diverse spectrum real-world sex really is. Right on. Well, everyone, go sign up. Maybe one day you'll see uh, the Man Whores video on there. Who Absolutely. knows? Absolutely. We would adore that. I may make a return. I used to webcam in college, so who knows? Maybe Excellent. Maybe I'll come back. Please do. Um, thank you so much for joining us, and, uh, and, and say goodbye to everybody. Um, goodbye, everybody, and thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. Wow. What an episode, everybody. I hope you all uh, go uh, check out makelovenotporn.tv, including my gays out there. I know there's a few of you there. You heard, you heard Cindy. She needs you. She needs your butt fucking. Get it up there. Let me know your videos on there. I may or may not check it out. Who knows? Okay, I want to see some fan whores. Uh, making love on Cindy's lovely website. Um, again, if you want to uh, follow Cindy on Twitter, she tweets a lot of really interesting articles and great opinions uh, on these topics. You can check her out on Twitter at Cindy Gallup, and her website is cindygallup.com. And if you want to go sign up to either rent videos or make videos, you can go over to makelovenotporn.tv. Fantastical stuff. Uh, as usual, I am here every week bringing you the Man Whore Podcast, a sex-positive quest for love. Every Wednesday or whichever day you prefer to listen to podcasts, um, be sure you are subscribed to the Man Whore Podcast on iTunes, Sit- Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, whichever podcast app you like to use. I do hope you are subscribed. I hope you can uh, take a moment to leave a comment, leave a review, leave a rating, Helps other people find the show. Share the show with your friends. Guys, open and honest communication about sex also includes sharing this show with your friends. Uh, check out the new website, manwhorepod.com. Going to post some fun things up there. If you discover an Easter egg, email me. Let me know because uh, they're fun for me to hide. I hope they're even more fun for you to find. I will be back next week uh, from the lovely uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So until then, everybody... Stay slutty.